Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Facts versus Rhetoric. Thank you very much for joining us today. A couple topics on the agenda today. We're going to cover the effects of inflation. We're going to get into some political talking points and go over the facts versus rhetoric with those that are coming out of everyone. And also touch back on the electric car rhetoric that is in full force at this moment. We got the February CPI numbers. That's a consumer price index. So that is the index that tracks the inflation. And we are up to 7.9% year over year for inflation. So not really shocking. We knew it was going to be higher than it was last month. And to be honest, it's not going to go down until the Fed starts doing something about it which they haven't done. So there's no reason for the inflation to come down at all because we haven't done anything to address it. No one's shocked by the fact that it's up this high. And what you're going to be hearing this week is it's the highest it's been since 1982. But the thing that we need to keep in mind here, and this is what obviously they don't tell you, and this is another reason why we do a show called Facts versus Rhetoric, they changed the way we measure the CPI. Right. So as inflation got worse over the years, the government started picking and choosing what metrics they actually use to measure the CPI. One of the examples, which makes no fucking sense, but it's just interesting to you know get inside of a, a government brain for a second. Back in the day, they measured the CPI and one of the parts of it was housing was the cost of your house. OK, so they would pull people. What's the value of your home? And they would get that data. So pretty reliable because you know what the value of your home is. It's very easy to find out. They've changed that. They have removed that out of the CPI and they put in owner's equivalent rent. OK, so this this is how they judge housing. Now they reach out to people who own their own home that don't rent it. And they say, hey, if you had to rent your house, what do you think you'd get for it? So can you see how that's not a great measurement? You know, why not ask the people that are fucking renting what they're paying or go back to how much is your house worth? Because that would really measure the amount of inflation in the housing market or in the rental market. But they don't do that. So as they tell you that, you know, we, we're experiencing the highest inflation since 1982. Well, here's what you need to remember. If we use the same way to measure the CPI now as we did back then, we'd be at over 15% inflation. Okay, see the see the little bait and switch there? So again, the rhetoric will be, it's oh my God, it's almost as bad as the 80s. In reality, it's fucking worse than the 80s. And if you applied today's measurement in the CPI to the 80s, it would be a lot less than it was. Just want to throw that out there because that, that will be the talking point you hear as they try to explain it and as the newspapers talk about it and whatever, it'll be like, oh, it's worse since 82. No, it's the worst ever. The only time in history that it was probably worse than it is now would have been 1917 when the U.S. got into World War I and we had to print a shitload of money for the military. When you hear it's the worst since the 80s, no, it's the worst ever. This is the worst inflation we've ever experienced. They just changed the way they measure it to make it less worse. Just like they change definitions and they constantly move the goalposts and try to confuse the fuck out of everybody so you're not sitting at home going, what the fuck, our government is responsible for the worst inflation in the history of our country. They don't want you to think that. They want you to blame fucking Russia, the meat packers, private businesses, oil companies, everyone who's price gouging. Right, so not them. It's us. Also wanted to cover how inflation affects us, right? We've obviously have gone over inflation a lot. And the reason why we do that is because it's very important. But you know what it is. It's the expansion of the money supply. You know who creates it, the Federal Reserve. But today I wanted to look at 
the statistics of how it actually hurts the people to help everyone understand how it manifests itself to harm people other than just lowering the purchasing power of their money. Earnings have failed to keep up with inflation for 11 consecutive months, right? So for 11 months, you've been getting a paycheck. The inflation has been going up faster than any pay increases that you've been seeing. In February, 73% of lower earners, that's the $25,000 annually, said they felt the impact of inflation recently, but only 9% said their wages had kept up with the cost of living. We've talked about this too in the past where the lower earners are always more affected than the higher earners. And right now, 73% of the lower earners are saying, no, my pay is not increasing as fast as the rate of inflation is. And across all income levels, just 18% of consumers said their wages were keeping pace with the higher cost of living. So this is what happens when inflation runs really hot, really fast. There's a lag that affects everybody and everyone just gets hurt until everything plays catch up. And that's going to be a tough task because there's no way to slow the inflation down at the moment. The earnings, your paycheck will be constantly trailing the inflation rate. And even higher earners are struggling to pay their bills, according to Capital One's data, that's the, the bank and credit card company. In April of 2020, only 10% of higher earners were struggling to pay their bills. And as of last month, February 2022, 22% of higher earners were having trouble paying their bills. And most people, 62% said inflation had affected their spending. No shit. And this is the big one. So this is really what I wanted to get into today. 38% of consumers said they've tried to spend less by cutting non-essential spending and canceling or putting off trips. So this is the reason the government will likely respond to this crisis with more stimulus, thus exacerbating the inflation problem. When inflation gets bad, people will cut their spending in the economy to be able to afford the essentials like gas and food, which are currently the most effective commodities of inflation. So as your food goes through the roof and your gas costs go through the roof, you're not getting paid more like we just covered. So you have to spend less in other areas of the economy. And when consumer spending in the economy goes down, well, then the economy slows down and then the government has to come in and stimulate it to keep it on life support. So it's just like this vicious cycle. It brings us back to how do we get inflation under control? Well, you got to stop. The government has to stop spending money. They have to raise interest rates. They have to go into quantitative tightening where... Quantitative tightening or QT just means the Fed, when they have money, they'll destroy it, right? So just like inflation is the creating of more money, the printing of more money, quantitative tightening is just the opposite. That's when they actually get the bills and destroy them. So you're taking money out of circulation. So that's the only way to get inflation under control, and they can't do that. This charade will continue until enough people figure out the reality, right? Because they can't do any of the things to help inflation without tanking the economy. Another reason why it's important for the government to have a scapegoat and a distraction for the public who's going to bear the brunt of this inevitable collapse when it happens. And that's why it's Russia, it's the shipping companies, it's everybody but the people responsible for the fucking money. I wanted to go over those statistics because it's very important to understand that next layer of the onion of how it affects real people and why we are in this continuous loop of inflation, deficit spending, and we can't get out of it. Next topic I wanted to cover was the politicians' response and rhetoric on the inflation question, on the fuel prices question. The White House has repeatedly blamed Putin for the record high gas prices here at home. 
you know, they even come up with the hashtag Putin price hike and, and vowing that Biden will do everything he can to shield Americans from paying at the pump. So let's just do a quick facts versus rhetoric, right? The rhetoric is Putin's to blame for the gas prices. The fact is when Biden took office, the cost of oil was $1.19 a gallon. And as of February 25th, that was before Russia invaded Ukraine. And don't say, well, everyone anticipated it because no one thought they were actually going to do it. But on February 25th, the price of oil was $2.80 a gallon. Rhetoric, Putin caused the high gas prices. The fact is the prices have gone up 135% since Biden took office. And that's without the craziness that just happened after the invasion. Oil prices up 135% from Biden taking office to before Russia invaded Ukraine. This is why we do the show. Facts versus rhetoric. Don't be duped by blaming Putin for a problem we created here in our own country. And on Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said restarting construction of the Keystone Pipeline was not an option on the table, right? Because that's obviously everyone's like, hey, we have these domestic options available. Why aren't we doing them? So she's saying, well, they're not on the table. And then in true Saki fashion, she says, quote, if we're trying to bring about more supply, that does not address any problem, Saki said. The pipeline is just a delivery mechanism. It's not an oil field. So it does not provide more supply into the system. Oh, wow. I don't, I mean, she's very good at what she does. And I'm, I'm not saying she's a great communicator or she knows what she's talking about or she's educated in any topic. She's just very good at just making shit up and lying. It is unbelievable. And they all do it. It's not just her. Every press secretary fucking lies at their job, but it's just so frustrating. And when I didn't even hear that, I read that and I was insulted, right? So you're telling me a pipeline from Alberta, Canada to Nebraska that has the expected capacity to bring in 830,000 barrels a day is not supply? That's what she's saying. She said, if we're trying to bring about more supply, a pipeline that brings fucking oil in does not address any problems. It's a delivery mechanism. Yeah, what is it delivering, Jen? Fucking gummy bears? It's delivering oil supply. Holy shit. You know, just to give you some context, the U.S. consumes about 19 to 20 million barrels per day, right? And one barrel is 42 gallons. So that's 798 million gallons a day. So that's a lot of fuel. So yeah, the Keystone Pipeline will be about 3% of our daily usage. But I mean, last year we brought in 3% of our oil supply from Russia. I'm no math major, but if we stop buying the 3% from Russia and we get the 3% from the Keystone Pipeline, I don't know. But just the fact that them saying it's not supply and it doesn't solve the issue. I mean, why don't you just say, well, it's not fucking completed, so it can't help us. Be honest about it. I mean, it's still years away from being completed if they actually were going to complete it. But on day one of Biden's presidency, he revoked the permit for the company building it. And then when asked about what he's going to do about it, Biden replies, well, it can't do much right now. Russia is responsible. And he's referring to the gas prices. So again, more facts versus rhetoric. Just, just bullshit. And also finally wanted to follow up on Kamala's comments about Russia-Ukraine. You know, we sent her over to Poland, the master negotiator, master communicator, to talk about the situation to help broker peace. I don't know what the fuck she was there for, but she made some great comments. Harris said, quote, So we are committed in everything we are doing. And yes, the president did say in the State of the Union 
There is a price to pay for democracy. Got to stand with your friends. And everybody knows, even in your personal life, being loyal to those friendships based on common principles and values sometimes is difficult. Often. It ain't easy. End quote. I get what she's saying. That's the rhetoric. You gotta stand with your friends. The fact is, you don't choose your friends over your family first. So I would consider our country the family, and I wouldn't pick my friends in another land over my family in my backyard. That's all I'm saying. That's my problem with that quote. And then she goes on, but that is what the friendship is about, shared values. So that's why, so that's what we're doing, whatever the fuck that means. But what, what are the shared values, right? So you say a statement like that, and I'm like, okay, well, what are my shared values with the Ukrainians? I'd love to know. I'd like to, what, what do you guys think? What's, do a little research on Ukraine. What, what are the shared values? What's the friendship about? What are we getting from Ukraine? I feel like this is like a one-way relationship, like that friend they, the, like the friend that most of us have or, 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 or had in our lives till we got sick of them. Just the taker who takes, 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 but doesn't give. You know that person, right? Well, what the fuck are we getting from Ukraine in this glorious friendship of shared values? I don't know. That's baloney. Lastly, I just wanted to cover the electric car rhetoric craze that's in full swing right now. So we warned about this in a previous podcast that this is what happens when gas prices go high. Everyone just tells you to go fucking buy an electric car. And there's been no shortage of this from the transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg. And I I don't even know the lady's name that that gave a press conference the other day who just said, you know, if you had an electric car, you wouldn't be dealing with high gas prices. Right. And that's the fucking line. So instead of addressing why the prices are so high and have to answer for your hand in that, they just fucking berate you and say, well, if you had an electric car, you wouldn't be dealing with this. Obviously, that's disingenuous and is not addressing the problem that you created. But my bigger issue is like, is is the level of, I don't even know what you call it. It's like elitism or what, like the way these people like talk down to you, you know, the, the elected officials that we elected, who just, come on, man, go buy a fucking electric car. Do you know how expensive electric cars are? I don't know. I just did a little Googling. And on CarMax, you can get a used Tesla anywhere from $44,000 to $80,000 used. You can get a BMW i3 for $20,000. All right, well, that's a little affordable. But the problem is it's a fucking clown car and has four seats in it with no trunk. So what family can operate in that fucking vehicle? You can buy a brand new VW electric that starts at forty k. I get electric gets you out of paying for gas, but where's the money coming from? We're so fucking poor because of inflation and high gas prices and the cost of living and everything else. No one has 40 grand burning a hole in their pocket. So what, like that, that comment is so out of touch with how everyone's living. And the government has brought us to this way of living beyond your means. Borrow money. Do whatever you got to do. Keep the keep the economy going. We got 0% fucking interest rates. Borrow money in your house. Do whatever you got to do to spend money to keep this fucking game going for all of us other people to make millions while you people just fucking do all the work and, you know, suffer all the consequences of our shit fucking policies. So you have the fucking politicians talking down to the people saying, well, if you bought an electric car, it wouldn't be a fucking problem. So when you hear that, just say... What you should hear is, you know, if you just went out and spent 40 grand, you wouldn't have to pay $5 at the pump. How many fucking Phillips in your car to get to $40,000? That's government math. It doesn't make any fucking sense. 
So I hope everyone has some good talking points in their back pocket for when you hear people say dumb shit regarding inflation, the war in Ukraine, oil pipelines, and fucking going green with electric vehicles. You have some facts to bring to the conversation. And I guarantee you the person that is spouting the talking points will have nothing but emotional and faith-based reasons to argue with and it'll be so transparent and you'll look like the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm.